0: Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hi, welcome to the men's room. How are you today? If you're like many of us here at Hakawati, you're probably getting into a new kind of groove, settling into a nice routine of home workouts, working remotely from your favorite spot in the house, and of course, random snacking. And maybe, like me, you're at a kind of turning point right now, taking inventory and thinking about what you'd like your life to look like once this whole COVID-19 thing is over. Maybe you've been thinking it's time to make a career change or you're thinking of starting your own business. Starting fresh can be pretty scary, but my next guest did it. At the age of 41, he walked away from a great job at the world's biggest architecture firm without any prospects and just started his own firm from scratch. That was five years ago. Today, he has over 70 people working for him at his Dubai firm and huge projects all around the globe. He's here to share his story and the secrets to his success. Please welcome the founder of JTN partners Joe Tabbit. Hi, Joe. Hello. Thanks for doing this. I know you're probably super busy trying to keep things going at your firm in the middle of all these uh, pandemic measures. Yes. How's it going with that?
1: Uh, honestly, it's a new era. It's like... Um We took a decision like three and a half weeks ago to send everybody home so they can work from home. And the challenge it was was the technology. We did overcome all the challenges. We learned a lot. And uh, it's moving a little bit. I believe our productivity dropped. Uh, You cannot control it properly, but uh, we have a really good team and uh, we do trust them and we're doing everything at the moment from a business perspective in order to keep jt uh, and partners and the success story behind it uh, moving on and the same time the talent that's the critical point at the moment is how you protect the talented people in your team
0: what do you uh, mean by protect them
1: protect them is like in the current situation if you don't have a money in you cannot. Put the money out. so it's a time for investment and that's where you invest. The only question it will be how long you can keep investing because for us as a startup, we've been up running for five years. Uh, we did invest a lot in the beginning and uh, by the time we picked up, and it was time for us to start making profit and then get stronger and stronger than we were hit. But what was what whatever is happening with COVID-19. So uh, how long? That's the whole story. How long we can survive? Because at the moment, nobody knows where we're going. It's the uncertainty for everybody. Everybody is living day by day, second by second. Nobody knows. It's, it's similar to our interview, you know, like, We've been planning it for 10 days now and then it's, the, it's everything is it's happening with everybody. So, uh,
0: so so you mean you, you just want to make sure that you'll be able to pay your employees uh, long enough to make, to preserve to the talent them. that, that you have with you? them. Yeah, yeah sure. that's a good point. Um, what about the projects, like the building projects? I don't know how far you get into that um, once you deliver your designs, because you're architects and engineers, correct? Do those yes. projects continue in a time like this? What, At what the happens? moment,
1: uh, surprisingly, in the Gulf, I believe, uh, especially in the Emirates, And they're doing a great job by keeping the construction sites open. So it was an opportunity for us to keep moving. And uh, I believe they're doing it uh, on purpose. It's very well studied because they don't want to shut down the whole country. Not to forget that 80% of the population in UAE, they are expats and all of them, they live on their jobs. And uh, you need you need to maintain them. So work has to continue and revenue has to continue and income. So uh, projects on site still moving on so far. So far, so good. That's and very
0: interesting, though, because the UAE just announced that uh, you need like a permit to leave your house. But when it comes to workers, um, they're keeping them in the field. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. So and I know you have a project in uh, Zanzibar. In
1: Zanzibar, yes. Have you been there? Uh, Many times. How is it? I've been all around.
0: It sounds like a kind of a fantasy place, Yeah, it's uh,
1: uh, Zanzibar. It's it's a space out of this world, you know, like uh, they have beautiful beaches, uh, the quality of the sea there, the for divers, it's it's really amazing. Uh, The people are very friendly. The population is not that big on Zanzibar Island itself because, you know, Zanzibar, it's an island which is part of Tanzania. Okay. So... uh, it's it's a nice place. It's a nice place. So you take the flight from Tanzania straight to Zanzibar. It's a nice experience. And uh, uh, there they've been, they still live in a different, on a different level. So it's not like uh, really...
0: Is it a big tourist hub though? Because I know you're building is. a hotel there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Is the it a tourism, big resort? Yeah, yeah. The tourism there is very, because of the quality of the beaches that they have. Mm. And not to forget that uh, Bill Gates has his own small island in Zanzibar. He does. I didn't know. Directly opposite of our project. So yeah, it's interesting.
0: So if you go there, bring some... uh what do they call binoculars? Yeah. So you can spy on Bill Gates. Um, so you have a lot of big hotel. That's the crux of what you guys do at JT and Partners is uh, big yeah, projects, we, hotels, we, resorts.
1: We ended up to be hotel, hospitality specialists, but we are architects at the end. So we do master planning, we do residential mixed use development. So we do many things, but mainly at the, in the last five years, we've been doing a lot of 80% of our projects are hospitality projects.
0: Hmm. So that's another big issue for you right now, but we'll get back to that a little bit later. Um, I read your story in Entrepreneur Magazine recently. Um, You were on the cover. Congratulations. Thank you. So I know you left Beirut and went to Dubai in 2002. Yes. And you were in your early 20s and you just landed there and started mailing out like 75 job applications in paper envelopes.
1: It was paper envelopes. (laughs) I remember. When I went there, there was not much internet going on back in 2001 and 2002. And the only way it was to go to the post. So uh, I went to the uh, Chamber of Commerce of Dubai. We got all the company's name and then we started issuing letters one by one with the CV. And it was a nice experience. It was a nice experience. And then I spent six, six days, uh, six weeks waiting for replies. So I started getting replies, but I was not, it was not the level I'm looking for. I said, I'm not leaving Lebanon and my family and just, pick up just to pick the first job I will get. I want the right job for me. So I kept waiting until the last day before leaving Dubai. So my flight, it was at nine on Middle East to Dubai, to Beirut. I got a call at noontime from an international company. and Called?
0: Uh, what was the name of the company?
1: Called Atkins. It's a big company. So it was a, a dream for me. Uh, funny enough, when they called me, I told them, uh, sorry, next time. And they meant, what do you mean next time? I told them, I'm leaving tonight because I was like six weeks waiting. I went with $500 so uh, wow. to live six weeks there. So it was a nightmare. And <laughs> Where were I was, you sleeping? <laughs> I was sleeping at my sister's place. Oh, okay, good. But it happened at the same time my sister lost her job. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, And we got both of us, we got offers on the same day.
0: Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you ended up taking that offer at yes, Atkins. Yes, I took
1: that offer. I took that offer.
0: And it let's—it's. I think it's one of the biggest architectural and engineering firms in the world, right?
1: Yeah, it is. It is Atkins. It's like it's a based. It's a British company, and they have around twenty-two thousand employees. However, uh, three years ago, they've been bought by SNC Lavalin from uh, Canada. So uh, three years ago. Three years. Yeah, three years ago. Oh,
0: I was going to ask you because I'm from Montreal, and yeah. SNC Lavalin is Canadian, right? Yes. They're yes. huge. They, they own huge. a lot of. Companies no. and they were actually embroiled in a huge scandal, and they were uh, basically recently convicted of, or I don't know if you call it, convicted of uh, paying millions of dollars in bribes to a Muammar Gaddafi. Yes. There was a lot of
1: stories around it. So. Okay, so
0: when you were at Atkins, you were not part of SNC Lavalin, no, no, so no, no, you no. were not in.
1: Uh, no, I left. I Libya. left Atkins five years okay, ago. Okay,
0: you didn't hand over those bribes. No. <laughs> okay, good to know. I was just checking. So, so you started working at Atkins in Dubai. Yes. And how was it? How corporate and structured was it there? And how long were you there?
1: Uh, I was there for 12 and a half years between joining them at a the junior level. And in a very short period, I managed to become a senior and I delivered uh, the address hotel downtown, the first one, which oh, nice. is the tower that went on fire mm. in New Year's. Which one? It was like three, four years ago when the tower went. Uh, was on. it
0: an electrical fire? Uh,
1: yeah, that, that's what hmm. they said. No, I don't know. <laughs> don't go <laughs> me don't for work there anymore. Come on, I need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back. So uh, yes, I delivered that project. Then I was I was asked to go and run Abu Dhabi office for Atkins, and after that, the last. and a half years I was running the region as a design director and regional hotel specialist. So uh, yes that's that's how it was.
0: So at what point or what moment did you decide that it was time for you to leave Atkins? Was there like a specific event?
1: Many events, many events. There were some events that they were really personal and uh, on the other side it's like uh, with time I learned how to motivate myself so when I reach at a level, I'm not able to grow in the business at the same time, I'm not able to motivate myself and give more Then uh, that. was the wake up call for me that, uh, it's either you're gonna remain an employee for another 15 years, or you're gonna take the hit, uh, the step and then move on and then try to build your own thing and give it a try. So if it will happen, it will happen. And if something goes wrong, you can go back and then adjust it and then fix it. So, uh, yeah so that's 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 how it happened.
0: So tell me about that day when you when you walked into the mm. whoever's office and said sayonara
1: I uh, I woke up on that day and uh, it happened that uh, my mom uh, tw- she was still alive so uh, I called her to say the good normal good morning and she told me by her on her own she said that uh, if there is anything that bothers you just shut it down That was it was weird the way she mentioned it, but, uh, I felt that day there's something gonna happen. And, uh, by noontime I was in my office and I remember something inside me that pushed me up from my chair. And then I just walked down the alley towards the CEO office. I opened the door. and, I, and he looked at me and said, Joe, are you okay? I told him, I believe today I'm gonna resign. And there was this 10 seconds, 15 seconds between us, like silent. just like looking in in each other's eyes and then we're saying like nothing else to say. You know, he was shocked and I was shocked of what I said. I didn't know what I was doing. So uh, <clears throat> then we had this kind of discussion between us about do you have a job offer in hand and whatever. I told him I have nothing. And he started asking me about uh, you're not worried about commitments, financial commitments, family I told him, no, I'm not for it. I need to take that move. A week later, I had a panic attack. No, oh, no. Yeah. That was the wake up call. Uh, it, it was a panic, you know, like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What, what have did, I done? What I did, you know what I mean? And then uh, I said that uh, you took a step and then you just need to move ahead. Take the challenge. And it was a challenge. And at that moment, I needed a positive energy, honestly. You know, like sometimes you need to boost your energy.
0: So how did you get that energy?
1: By coming out from my comfort zone. So my comfort zone is like having 150 to 100 employees reporting to you. You have your driver, you have your assistant, you have everything. You don't do much. Everybody does everything for you. So coming out from that comfort zone and the first thing I struggled with is to pay my electricity bill. Mm. I didn't know how to do it. Not because
0: you couldn't afford it because you didn't know how to fit, how practically I had my assistant
1: that she does everything for me. So it was good. By the way, it's good when you are at your peak and you have that big question mark about what's next for you. It's good for you to push yourself down by yourself to take yourself down, Mm -hmm. and then start again.
0: What's interesting is that a lot of people would usually advise others to have a plan when making such a big life decision, especially when you have a family and all that, and you just had an impulse that you just... I mean, I'm sure it was brewing in your head, but you didn't have a plan B. So it's interesting that sometimes... I guess it shows that sometimes you just have to take a leap to make that space in your life so that you can actually put energy into this new thing, right?
1: You have to because you can't you can't wait for things to happen. Sometimes you're hoping uh, that something will come and then will help you to uh, to take your plan further. But what if it will not happen? So that's that's the moment where you need to take a decision, and then that decision it's gonna be a tough decision sometimes, but. Uh, the decision is going to be the foundation for the next. It's going to be the base for the future. And I can tell you that uh, JTN Partners, the way we moved and then the successful story, and we won a lot of awards in a very short period.
0: So, how long did it take before you opened JTN Partners? Was it just you? And how did you get it off the ground? It was me. It was just you? You yeah. were JTN. And- and myself.
1: JT and partners, (laughs) at the moment, no.
0: (laughs) Did you invent that name to make it seem bigger than it was at the beginning? Or or with anticipation that you would have a lot of partners?
1: No, but uh, look, you need to think big and act big. And especially that I had the reputation in Dubai and I was working with a big company. So you had to, you need to play it properly. So thinking big and acting big is major for the success for any story. Uh, I use jt because all my clients and colleagues for thirteen years they were like calling me jt 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 so I really use that that one and the partners because you need to give it scale. you need to give it that that uh, uh, that looks heavy, it's a big company and the future I was planning that the partners there's gonna be partners or whatever it might happen. It did happen properly that my employees, they did become my partners. And that's why in the last four years, we managed to distribute bonuses for everybody across the board. So they are the real partners for the business because without them, JT and partners does not exist. So that's the whole story. And that's what I learned from the corporate level. Uh, at corporate level, you waste a lot of time and you don't focus on your assets and your asset as a architecture, engineering or any consultant, it's like your people. These are the real assets, so we were spending a lot of time at the corporate level uh, with politics, paperwork, procedure, processes, and, 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 and you're keeping 10% focus on your real asset that's going to make your life happen. So at JTN, pardon, I flipped everything. There's no politics. There's no negative energy. There's like, let's do it. Let's enjoy it. We do spend time together more than being with our family. So it's either it's going to be the right place or just I can shut it down, go live back home and then enjoy the mountains with a nice Porsche and a nice cow next to it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Some people do hate, you know, they do their work to go enjoy their life and other people... You know, live their life and enjoy their work. Like it, it has to yeah, be. Yeah,
1: look, architects—they are a special species. You know what I mean. We are, uh, <laughs> we are as architects, designers, and we have kind of an ego. And uh, uh, you, you need motivation. You need that positive energy. And I call it—you need to, ha- you must have a positive ego. You can't have a negative ego. You need to know how to manage your ego as an architect, or your ego will destroy you. So you need that ego to come out from bed in the morning. You need to really motivate yourself. You need that creativity. It's like, uh, uh, I'm not underestimating other jobs, but I'm saying from being uh, a person in in arts and creativity, uh, creativity yeah. it needs something different. It needs, you need to feed it differently.
0: Mm, that makes sense. So what do you think were the key factors in you be able, being able to grow uh, JT and Partners to over 70 employees now? What do you think the key things that you've done have been?
1: Uh, look, in the beginning, I've been asked this question on an interview with Dubai TV, by the way. And I told them...
0: Wow, you're famous, JT.
1: Come on, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was... Look, if, if, if you have a good reputation and uh, you have the will, these two things, when they come together... You can, you can move on. So you need to be honest with yourself. You need to be honest with your clients. And then you can go grow as much as you can. So this really help, helped me personally to develop JTN Partners. Uh, the relationship I built with my clients, it's like uh, it was an open book relationship. Uh, it was totally away from a corporate structure businesses. And How did you do that? Uh, Give me an example you just sit around around the table with a big client. I'm not gonna mention names and then you can you can shake hands and say that okay, that's the agreement, that's the discount. This is the contractual issues, and then you can finish it in three seconds and one of them he told me if we knew that business is gonna be that easy with you with you as 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 giving you project for architecture engineering, we could ask you to leave. Atkins long time ago and then B make these things easier because at the corporate level you need approvals and processes and all these things, which will affect the client. Uh, And in my opinion, you need to hit the, you need to hit it quickly with the client when the client is like passionate about the project, you really need to get in quick, and come out quick make profit make money and come out don't let him be involved in all these corporate issues legal contractual things can be solved so that's that's the relationship it's all and not to forget in GCC it's mainly it's different than Europe you have this kind of gentleman agreement and that gentleman agreement it has a lot of value there uh, so that's where you really need to respect it. You have a lot of people that they come from abroad to work in GCC. They don't understand the meaning. I'm not, I'm not underestimating them or showing any respect, but uh, this is fact. This mm. is fact. We are in the Middle East, in the, in the Gulf. Uh, gentleman agreement does count a lot.
0: But you're also opening yourself up to risk in that sense, because, you know, if you're counting on a gentleman's agreement... And it's a new client that you've never worked with. You know, you're opening yourself up to risk. But I guess um, that's a judgment that you've made. Uh,
1: uh, no, it's like over time. Uh, at the moment we're showing it. It's very easy. Yeah. But the gentleman agreement is like, instead of taking negotiation of six months, you can close the negotiation in five month in five minutes. Yeah. And then get the paperwork in parallel to happen. That's all what I meant. So mm-hmm. for sure, I'm not gonna go blindly and then take yeah. the risk. Yeah. You will evaluate the risk. It's like since I started. From the moment I resigned, I start taking risks in my life. There's a lot of risk that I did mm-hmm. till today. Mm-hmm. Every day, I take more and more risk. I'm giving myself till fifty. I still have another couple of years.
0: Okay, and, and then
1: I, it will. I will go into another era, which I call it like manageable risks. Okay, I will manage my risk differently. Okay, I will not eliminate risks.
0: For a guy who didn't plan his uh, career switch, you seem to have this one planned really well. Which is great, this by life. the way. Yeah. <laughs> You've learned a lot, I guess. Yeah. So um, is there anything about your actual approach to architecture that really defines JT and Partners? Honestly, it's like
1: we as architects and urban designers, it's like uh, we need to make a change at social level, which I don't see happening much. There is a lot happened around the GCC. But uh, well, I believe it was kind of uh, client profits and revenues. Let's build, let's build more towers, more projects, more. But nobody gave it time to think about it twice. And then to say, I'm going to make a master plan for a city that's going to be there for the next 70, 80, 90 years. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there after us. So uh, uh, with JT and partners, we managed to take each project by by on its own to understand its, its uh, uh, entourage, The the context at the urban level Mm -hmm. and uh, try to tie it back to the urban level and the urban fabric. With a
0: long-term view. Uh,
1: To really understand where it does sit. So the main key for any successful architectural project is when you design a project for a spot, that project has to be tailor-made for that spot. If you take it out from that spot, put it somewhere else, it will not work. If it will work, it means it's wrong. So it has to be tailor-made for each plot by itself, each location, if it's in Europe, if of it course. is in Africa. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. what we are doing at the moment.
0: How, how do you foresee architecture changing once this uh, COVID pandemic is over? Do you think there'll be less of a demand for these big corporate towers as people increasingly work remotely uh, and on a project-based uh, basis? And fewer uh, resorts, might I add. That's something I wanted to bring up because this is a big part of your um, of your yeah. clientele. And obviously the the travel industry now has been, uh, like we're about at 10% of what it was before this all happened. How long will it take to recover? I, I, how the, do you no, um, plan no, on dealing with that?
1: It's like today we posted on, on LinkedIn to salute all the medics around the world. And there was a quote from myself also about... Uh, that nobody knows what's next. So, uh, but things will recover. How it will recover, nobody knows. So hospitality sector in the region, for sure is gonna be affected, not only in the region, it's gonna be around the world because for hospitality, you need tourism. For tourism, you need aviation. For aviation to happen, you need the vaccine to be ready. So it's very early for us to say how it's gonna happen. Maybe tomorrow we'll wake up and there is a vaccine somewhere around the world and things, in my opinion, even if we finish it today, it will never ever go back as before. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that uh, it's gonna be worse. No, it's gonna be, I think things, things are gonna change in a, in a positive way. Uh, the way we think, the way we approach each others as a human being, and we're gonna appreciate things differently now. So uh, to go back to the question of hospitality, you're gonna have some areas that they've been already struggling with hospitality, the lack of hospitality project like Zanzibar and some areas in Africa, that these things will still keep moving on. In areas like GCC, it's a big question mark because already in the last three years, they were struggling with the occupancy rate. So this is the moment where you put a question mark and say, do I need more or it's time to stop it. So and again, it goes back to mixed-use development and then the retail aspects. Uh, our field is gonna change dramatically. Our jobs as architects and engineers is gonna change. Working from home is gonna be more. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna move on. It's gonna uh, be better, and then the technology is gonna make it easier. Like me personally, I'm re-evaluating and re-questioning all my flights that I used to do. I used to live on a plane. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I say I live on a plane, people, they know me like I am on a plane. Yeah. So, and then when now I'm like yesterday, I attended a conference where we were like 70, 80 people on Zoom. We did like a conference, Zoom conference. Yeah. It did work very
0: well. I know. It it's didn't. amazing. They, all these technologies were there, but a lot of people were just not ready to embrace them. And now that we have no choice, we're realizing yeah. that makes...
1: That's that's the whole story. It's it makes like
0: it unnecessary to... When you
1: don't have any choice anymore, you, just, or you are obliged to do it. Yeah. So uh, we're learning. I believe it's going through all this uh, situation at the moment. All of us, we're learning, we're evaluating things differently.
0: It's accelerating the trends that were kind of emerging anyways.
1: More to come, by the way. More surprises will come, I believe.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, New industries will merge and then uh, new industries will come up where you were not expecting agriculture will be something big.
0: Interesting viewpoint. Uh, What do you think agriculture is going to... What's going to happen to agriculture? I
1: I believe that uh, if you see like there was on MTV a report like 10 days ago about the product at the supermarket and the groceries. Uh, that they cannot bring because people they cannot afford or people they're not buying anymore. And then you have all the industries here in uh, the factories in, uh, in Beirut that now they're going to start producing international brands locally made. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the local uh, satisfaction in production, agriculture and many things is going to happen. I don't believe the world is going to open up very quickly. Mm-hmm. If you look at China at the moment with whatever would, ha- would happened with Wuhan, it's been three months and traveling still a big question mark for them because all the new cases that's coming to them, is from the the new the new people coming into the, the, the country. So it's going to take time. And I believe uh, I don't have answers about what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody will have in yeah, the moment. Nobody
0: does. Nobody. So, so what do you think makes you a, a good leader? Because obviously anyone who's able to build what you've built in five years is, has good qualities as a leader. What do you think those are?
1: Uh, that's a tough question, you know, like you don't want to say a lot about yourself with the ego level. But What do you, to, you
0: think your team would say or what have they said to you?
1: Uh, I'm a family man and uh, I take care of my team properly, you know. Uh, you need to take care of them. You need to motivate them. Uh, you need to appreciate them. You need to help them grow. So uh, you need to be honest with them. You need to keep the line of communication very open. Uh, it's leadership in the last ten years that change a lot, and uh, it's no longer the man who sits in the in his box with a closed door. You need to open up. You be. You need to be sitting next to them, next to your next to your team, and to take the right decision for the business and. You know, like the most, the difficult part is when you give a job offer to somebody and then he will resign from his current job and he will join you. You need to make sure that you give him a minimum life of three years to four years because that's a responsibility on you. You know, every all of them, they have families. So uh, this is where you need to put the pressure on, on yourself and take that leadership role and protect everybody, protect the business, protect the reputation, delegate properly for all of them, let them be part of the business. It's not only you, it's you and them. So that's that's kind of the leadership. Uh, uh, leadership is no longer complicated, by the way, if you take it at the human level and keep it open.
0: What do you mean it's no longer complicated? Uh,
1: le- leadership roles, they used to be... CEOs and uh, business owners—they used to sit in their rooms and make things sound too complicated. And I am—I sit on the top of the world. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that. Hmm. You cannot own your business on your own. You need to own it with your staff, or your business does not exist.
0: Well, that's a very interesting uh, point that I think uh, a lot of people need to hear. Yeah. And those who are not hearing it, unfortunately, might get left behind.
1: We will write it somewhere and we'll post it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you should do that. You should do that. No,
1: and that's why I'm. T- I was telling you, it's really in the current situation, the struggle for leaders and business owners is how financially to maintain the business and maintain your talented your talent stuff.
0: Mm. And that's it, the big challenge now with COVID nineteen. It's a
1: big challenge. That it will be a,
0: the economically. This is going to be a big challenge. So thank you so much for dropping in. We really had a great time talking to you today.
1: Thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure.
0: And best of luck to you too. Thanks. Thank you. That's all, folks. Hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and taken some inspiration from Joe's story during this pause, this historical moment that's giving us all an opportunity to rethink the way we live. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to The Men's Room and follow us on social media at hakawadi.fm and the Nadia Michelle. Lots of love. Bye.